tonight I want to talk a bit about the kind of meditation which is called meditation on the nature of mind meditation on the nature of consciousness and I want to um, point to three elements of that kind of practice which is in a way the most profound practice you can do in this life to meditate on the nature of mind uh, to withdraw your attention from the object of your experience and turn it towards the experiencer or to turn attention back to its source so this is the crucial turning point in your meditation practice after you have trained stable attention with objects with the content of your experience at one point to become curious about the experiencer that what is experiencing not what you experience but that what is experiencing and some Tibetan Lamas would say this is actually where meditation starts all the other stuff is uh, preparation uh, for you to make this step so tonight as often I would like to make you curious about being aware not not being curious about what you are aware of but becoming curious about being aware becoming aware of being aware so this is the crucial turning point in what is called the Mahamudra practice this is where the Holy Grail is this is this is this uh, this move is the beginning is the beginning of the end of seeking this is the beginning of the end of seeking it is uh, coming home it is uh, putting the seeking restless dissatisfied mind to rest in its own source so it might not make so much sense what I'm going to say tonight but still I hope that um, this evening can be a reminder of us, uh, for this uh, and um, also a joy, a celebration of that we actually have access to this kind of teaching 
like a reminder that uh, the opportunity you have in this life is incredible. And uh, to be able to sit here and share the pinnacle of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, and in a way you could say not only the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, because in all traditions at one point you're going to be asked to do exactly this. If you are a Christian practitioner or a Hindu practitioner, um, at one point you will always be asked in, in the graduate training to turn your attention back to its source, to turn back to the light from where attention comes from. So I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very, I'm always very happy to talk about this, because by by talking about this, we can kind of a bit join in in that experience, not understanding, but uh, sensing, you know, sensing that which is bigger than you. Sending and sending that which which arose in your own experience when you had a sense that you are in the presence of the divine, whatever that is for you. So another reason why it makes me so happy to be to rec- recollect myself how precious this is because personally I have understood there is nothing deeper which anyone can teach me teach me than this there is nothing deeper there is nobody on this planet somewhere who can tell me something more profound than this that does not mean that I rest in this all the time or something, but it's such a wonderful feeling to to slow down in this kind of, oh, this guru, this book, this workshop, maybe, maybe, I, I think I haven't understood what this is about, but some somewhere somewhere in the future I will find the right book or the right workshop or the right guru who will tell me what it is about. This is so wonderful when that falls away because you have intellectually understood and have started to have glimpses that there is nothing more profound than this teaching. Awareness of awareness. Being aware of being aware. There is nothing more profound. So, this is the highest teaching you will ever receive. That does not mean that we, you know, there's still exploration and sharing necessary, probably, because one one thing is to hear this, and the other is to rest as that. But already to hear it, it's, I mean, it's amazing. This is like, I mean, what's, uh, 
10 million dollars in, in the lottery compared to this. 10 million dollars in the lottery is just another project and just another attempt to find genuine happiness there where it is not. So every, every tradition, every mystic tradition uh, points to this. This is the only thing which will be the end of projects. Every other project will fail. The, the fitness project, the beauty project, the career project, the health project, the not get, getting older project, the desperately trying not to lose anything project, the entertainment project, the, the intellectual project, not trying to understand this intellectually, the self-improvement project, that all will fail. It has been failing since beginning this time. <laughs> and now we got here. We got here on, onto somehow we, we manifested here and we have access to the pointing out instructions, not only of the Tibetan tradition, of the, of the Zen tradition, of the Advaita Vedanta tradition of the Christian mystics. <coughs> so it's really for every flavor, for every big background, for every, you know, if you are a hardcore materialist, read Sam Harris. He's, say, he's pointing to the same. So for this, you don't need to have any belief in reincarnation or miracles or it has nothing it's free of that this experience one of the best condition maybe would be if you would be a physicist a true scientist So, let's sit quietly for 10-15 minutes. <laughs> Just to create some space and to give you the invitation to shift from the busyness to the <coughs> of the day. So if you like you can close your eyes. If you keep your eyes open, then you keep them relaxed, a relaxed gaze. And then notice what happens when you 
pay a bit more attention to your inner life and what you bring with you into this moment. The most important thing is to have a welcoming, gentle attitude. So you slide into the body with your awareness, maybe supported by the in-breath, <coughs> even down into your feet. And you notice how the chair carries you. And then with the out-breath, you relax into that, you open into that, you let yourself be carried. So with the in-breath sliding into the body, welcoming, embracing, befriending, And with the out-breath, letting go of tension, if possible, softening. Can you notice that there's this quality of letting go in the out-breath? So releasing in the belly, in the shoulders, in the face, and then again in the whole body. Feeling the aliveness in your hands, in your belly. Feeling the aliveness in the breath. And of course, thoughts continue to arise. That's fine. Try not to emphasize them. Because right now there's nothing you need to think about. So you leave them somewhat in the background. the out-breath, letting go of the control freak. Of the meditator.
just sitting, doing nothing. Then if you get caught and tangled in the stream of thinking, you let the bubble burst, you wake up, and with gentleness you drop back into the body. Shifting from the head into the body. and letting this moment be exactly what it is. When you notice that you want to fix something, you, you want to get something, or you want to get rid of something, you relax, like a fist opening. Relax the grasping. Then if it makes sense for you, we call upon the practitioners who have made this shift into awareness as an inspiration, as a blessing, as protection. So we call upon the Dalai Lama, the Kamapa, the Buddha, Jesus. other saints, masters, mentors, Buddhist or non-Buddhist, male and female, and it is like the eastern morning sun rising. And you bathe in that sun. Maybe you have experienced the mighty stillness in the presence. Of a teacher, of a mentor. How would it be if the Dalai Lama would step in the Kamapa? Bringing their presence, bringing their stillness and bringing their love, which is the same. <coughs> and you allow yourself to bathe in the golden sun, 
with your whole body from the toes to the top of your head. And you allow yourself to be touched even in your darkest places. you return to your body. And then to the undescribable mighty presence of compassion. these masters, the eastern morning sun dissolves into that golden light and it enters your body at your heart level, your heart opens like a flower, as if there's a Buddha inside of your heart, and you feel how you are a source of that mighty stillness, of that mighty presence, which is in the nature of love. It fills your chest, your whole body, and then it pours out through the pores of your body into the mandala of your life. Feel that you are a source of light. Feel the Buddha in your heart. just resting for a few more moments with whatever experience is there for you just now.
for the three points I want to explore with you is uh, firstly recognizing unconditioned awareness. The second point is recognizing the appearances of consciousness as empty. And the third point is recognizing the union of appearances and emptiness. Clear? <laughs> Can you say the four again? Three. <laughs> Recognizing unconditioned awareness. Recognizing unconditioned awareness. Second, recognizing the emptiness of the appearances. Thirdly, recognizing the union of emptiness and appearance. And then you are enlightened. <laughs> so the first, recognizing unconditioned awareness. Initially, when we start this, it makes sense to follow a simple model of the mind and that is to distinguish the sky and the clouds. The sky, the space within which your experience is happening, the clouds, the content of your experience. Is it working? Yeah. The content of your experience. So, do you understand what I mean with content of your experience? Everyone understands what I mean with that. Content of your experience? Yeah. Do you know what I mean with that? No, not right now. Okay. The content of your experience is what you, experience, what you are aware of. Okay. So what is it what you're aware of? The stream of sense data and what your conceptual mind does with the stream of sense data. This is the. There's not more. This is it. What I am aware of and what I do with that awareness. Uh, no, what you're aware of. Yeah. So, what is it? What you're aware of? What is the content of your experience? It's the stream of sense data. Yeah. And then the conceptual mind doing something with it. Mm. And one of the first thing the conceptual mind does is, I like this. I don't like this. Yeah, it's like immediately. It's it's for that you don't need to have uh, an elaborated frontal cortex. A, a Möbier can do that kind of thinking. Yeah, it's like <laughs> oh, I don't like this. Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
So that's what. So this is very. Uh, th th this is very on a very. Uh, on a very deep level of our mind. But then, of course, we as conceptual beings with this big frontal cortex, we actually live more in in the conceptual level. We hardly perceive the direct level. So we mainly deep, we mainly live in the stories about about this. There's short moments where we actually are in contact with reality. Like we are, we are not now. We are what previous experiences and mm. eventually yeah. coming experiences. Yeah. So that is the the con content of your experience. So in this metaphor with the clouds and the sky, these are the clouds. Yeah. So this level of mind is called in the Tibetan tradition Sen. It's uh, also called the conditioned mind. It's it's called conditioned mind because it is uh, it's not falling from the sky, but it has causes and conditions. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's it it is arising this level of mind in interdependence with a lot of things, actually in interdependence with everything. So from the Buddhist point of view, what arises at that level of your mind is the display of your karma. A Christian would say it's created by God. Yeah. So a lot of meditation practices and therapy and cognitive work works on works on this level of mind on the relative level of mind on the conventional level of mind so then there's the other dimension in in the tibetan language it's called either ösel or rigpa depending on the tradition you follow the unconditioned level of mind, the sky, the container. So first we, call, we talked about the contained. Now we start to, to talk about the container. So there is experience, we can't uh, deny that. So there must be a kind of container for this experience to happen. And in the metaphor of the clouds and the sky, that is the sky. So this is... It's a provisional approach, but helpful in the beginning. So the condition level of mind, I don't, I don't need to point out that to you. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's this. It's what you see, what you hear, your feelings you have right now, you know, all the tension you carry in your body, 
what the mood you're in right now, the way you respond to what I'm saying, and also the sense of, uh, of the I is also part of that. You know, the sense that you, know, you are localized somewhere, maybe behind your eyes or something like that, or in the chest. So all that is content of your experience. And a lot of our spiritual work happens on this level. For example, one of the major Buddhist experiences is that we suffer because we resist this level of our being. We struggle with it. We want, we, quite often we want it to be different. And then we suffer. So a lot of our work initially is about finding a different kind of relationship to the content of our experience. Based on the experience, when you, when you soften a bit, when you, when you let this moment be what it is, there's more peace. If you complain and fix and you think something is wrong and it shouldn't be different, then you suffer. So the work on the on the the work on the conditioned level of, of our mind prepares us for to make this shift into becoming aware of the context within which the content of your mind arises. So in a way, you could say a lot of the meditation practices, relative provisional meditation practice, which are all meditation practice except the one I will introduce you tonight, they are therefore uh, making the clouds a bit more transparent. Or uh, if you have like a, a no a completely blocked sky for days and days and days and you kind of ha have lost hope that there's still the blue sky behind. So the provisional practices, they are for breaking this open so that you can, ah, yeah, there's still the sky. So the first step in the Dzogchen tradition, it's called the pointing out instruction. Pointing out what is being pointed out, the sky, the container. This is what is being pointed out. And this is... Um, this is, in a way, Super, very simple. <coughs> we just make it too complicated. So, you find uh, this pointing out in in almost any Tibetan uh, yeah, Tibetan book, 
Tibetan Buddhist book. And uh, so that's when they call, when they talk about emptiness and the nature of mind. And, and this is from Lama Yeshe's book. It seems it's the only book I use. <laughs> How many books do you have? One. <laughs> Lama Yeshe's Introduction into Tantra. <laughs> I've memorized it by now. <laughs> so this is uh, from the from the chapter called Clarity and Non-Duality. So she he writes by contemplating our stream of medi- by contemplating our stream of consciousness and meditation. We can be led naturally to the spacious experience of non-duality. As we observe our thoughts carefully, we will notice that they arise, abide and disappear themselves. Can you can you just look at your thoughts for a moment? So they arise, abide and disappear themselves. Just uh, watch the next thought. Yeah. So you watch the next thought. It arises, it abides a moment, and then it disappears. A- and you don't need to do anything. It, it's like you can no, they can do their thing. Yeah. They arise, abide, and disappear by themselves. Yeah. There is no need to expel thoughts from our mind forcefully. Just as each thought arises from the clear nature of mind, so too does it naturally dissolve back into this clear nature. When thoughts eventually dissolve in this way, we should keep our mind concentrated on the resulting clarity as undistractedly as we can. So this is a pointing out instruction. Concentrated on the resulting clarity as undistractedly as we can. So what this is talking about is what is sometimes called the gap between two thoughts. So, for just a moment, stop thinking. So, when you stop thinking, what is then there? So, you, you stop thinking. It's not that, you know, it's not that everything is just gone or it, yeah so when you stop thinking can you get a sense of what is meant by this word the gap between two thoughts you stop thinking like no there is a gap also when i no when i stop talking so so now be aware 
of me stopping talking. There is a gap. It's like yeah. So it's difficult. I mean, I, I know for some of you, you think, what is he talking <laughs> about? This is completely crap. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what we need to, you know, this 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 pointer, the the gap between two thoughts. What we need to explore, what we need to be passionate about, is what the heck do they mean? What is that? What is the reference object of this word, the gap between two thoughts? The, the problem is, the gap between two, two thoughts is something which is beyond the conceptual mind. So, the conceptual mind tries to understand. Yeah. So, now, as a meditation beginner, You might a sense you might have a sense oh there is no gap between my thoughts. It's just running like crazy. Yeah. But that what opens in the gap between thoughts is of course also there when there's like this. Yeah? I mean like so the gap between thoughts is like this. Yeah? So now, but this, yeah? This does not make any sense on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that which, which kind of uh, is being experienced in the, in the gap between two thoughts, is also there when there is no gap, yeah? Like behind the thoughts, beneath the thoughts. So actually, the, the, you don't need to have a gap between thoughts to create this or something like that. It is there all the time. Beneath, beyond the thoughts. So now, <coughs> no, these moments, luckily, they break into our into our life. You know this kind of, let's say you are in a heavy, particular quite quite often actually when you are in a crisis when things fall apart anyway, and you really walk on thin ice and you know, and then you go to the beach. And suddenly there's a break, like the conceptual mind has a like gives up, you know, or kind of you open to the to the nature, and there is a break in the in the dramatic level of the conditioned mind, and you feel like oh, It's all made up. It's a mind fuck. And then where this gap 
also becomes kind no no when you are like when you are startled yeah so that's why some in some traditions they work with uh, kind of this you know like in the Zen tradition with a sword yeah there's a gap no there's a lot of uh, um stories in the Tibetan tradition where this transmission that's called transmission from from the teacher to the student is is given by the teacher slapping with a shoe or uh, um, uh, doing something crazy or you know like doing something very surprising or uh, so this kind of surprise effect then another moment where this um, quite often opens this this space is in birth and death so many people who had the fortune to and I guess a lot of us have had an experience like that or will have when you are and I've heard this from few t people and I have experienced it myself when my father died when something when someone dies is such a sacred wonderful moment before the conceptual mind kicks in and does all the stories yeah there is this gap there is this wow no my my mother said in that moment wow this is so peaceful that was before your crisis started then yeah so that was like an obvious an obvious, mysterious, profound, sacred moment where the conceptual mind just shuts up for a minute <coughs> and the gap opens. <coughs> so look for the gap between the thoughts. <coughs> for the place from which your no next thoughts next thought will arise you're going to have a next thought right where will it come from look there where will it come from you need to take this question serious Otherwise, you know. so it's something to to bring into your sitting. What is the gap between the thoughts? It's a very I can't. This can't be spoon fed to you. It, it can't be. It can't be kind of explained to you like, okay, let's let's read a book, eight hundred pages about the gap between the thoughts. It's not going to help. More knowledge is not going to help in this particular case. 
and nobody can do this for you. And it has nothing to do with understanding something. I mean, conceptually. So one, so the gap between two thoughts, one, one possible entrance into starting to get a sense of what is being pointed out is, and after the break I, I want to lead a meditation is to follow the self-inquiry question of what is aware what what is experiencing this let's say this voice I mean you are listening to this voice now so you are you are aware of this voice right you know this voice, you experience this voice. With what? Within which is this voice being known? What is the knower of this voice? Forget everything you know about the brain. Don't go there at all. That's at another time. So this is this is a question which is inviting you to get to know this not through thinking about it or reading about it like 800 pages about the nature of consciousness and the connection with the brain no this is a question inviting you to look for yourself like directly so, you are, you are listening to this voice, you are hearing this voice, you experience this voice. So something must be there which is experiencing this. Something must be there, kind of, you know, it lands somewhere, right? I mean, if you all wouldn't be here, and I would say these words, they wouldn't be known. They wouldn't, be, they wouldn't fall into the knowing space. So now I say these words and they fall into a knowing space. And this knowing space can be recognized. How do you do that? So this is how we usually Mm, we are curious about the content of our experience or so we, we do something with it we manipulate we control we so so now we turn around we roll our eyes back 
we turn around our attention. Yeah. So what what is directing uh, our 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 awareness to the different objects is attention. Yeah. It's like for example, I can now ask you, okay, become aware of your right toe. right toe, so concentration on the right toe. So now, so that's attention, kind of the capacity, a mental factor, which is, which makes it possible for you to, like, to direct your, yeah, to direct the, to direct the luminosity of your mind to a certain object. So, of course, that's, that's something we often do. That's something we train in meditation. So now, now we withdraw our attention from this and we become curious about that which is attentive. We become curious about the source of attention. We become curious about attention itself. What do we see when we do that? Nothing. We see nothing. So when I say we see nothing, or I see nothing, this, I say it in a completely different way as when I would say, oh, there's nothing there in the corner, there's nothing there, it's empty, no. This is like, wow, there's nothing. There's nothing. You see, this nothing is, this nothing is, no, nobody ever came out of this experience saying, hey, people, stop, don't look there, there's nothing there. No, they say, they all say, look there, there is nothing, and that nothing is love, that nothing is everything, that nothing, that nothing is your true self. Please look into that nothing, <laughs> because it's the only hope. It's the only hope for peace. Yeah. That is that for me it is like to be 
surprise of a certain appearing surrender. Of a certain of a sudden appearing surrender but just coming in, in the silence from nowhere. Like a, like a surrender. Ah, surrender a surrender which is appearing. Yeah. yeah. It's like I in, in the gap is for me like to be surprised about uh, a sudden surrender. That you <sighs> mm. Mm. I mean, I don't try to construct anything. It just appears, and it, it could surprise me mm. like, <gasps> like this. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, I I can recognize what you say. Um, I would uh, describe it as you know this this moment of. Uh, dissolving, I mean, it's a moment of dissolving into the gap. Actually, it is a recognition that you are the gap. And there is a quality of grace in it. There is a quality, a quality of grace in it. Grace? Grace. Yeah, yeah, it's grace. A, because it's not something which you can attain through effort. So yeah, so that's w so that's why when it's be uh, when when this is being shared, that for some people it's just bullshit, mm -hmm. and for some people they just resonate with it, and so it has nothing to do with you know it's almost like we can't really through intellectual effort or spiritual effort uh, make it happen this recognition mm -hmm. it just uh, it, it appears for me it could just appear suddenly you can make yourself open to it So what is aware? Ajahn Chah, the Thai forest master, calls it the one who knows. You know, becoming familiar with the one who knows. The knowing empty quality. Presence. The knowing empty presence. That which does not change. It's also called the unmoving mind. Because the relative mind, the clouds, is constantly moving, changing. But there's a quality here in this moment, a radiance, a knowing radiance, which is there in any moment. It's there now. It has been here five minutes ago. It has been here... 30 years ago. And it will be there when you're dying.
So this is a bit of a pointer. There is something in your experience right now which is radiantly, effortlessly present in any moment. It's not that you need to switch it on. Actually, you have no control over it. For example, for short moments, just 10 seconds, don't be aware. So, I will start to count and you will reach back into awareness and switch it out. So that you, for 10 seconds only, that you're not aware. One, two, come on. Just, just one second, just one second. Three, four, just half a second. I mean, come on, go back there, switch out. Five, six, seven, concentrate hard, reach back, switch out. Nine, ten. That was quite a poor <laughs> performance. <laughs> So, do you think it was ever switched out? Deep sleep? Being completely drunk? I mean, you tried to knock it out, yeah? Like with this bottle of vodka. Really tried hard to knock it out. <laughs> <laughs> work. It just didn't work. You couldn't knock it out. Yeah. Um, it's one thing I have tried to explore lately and um, my intu intuition says that it's beyond the, uh, the death and uh, birth and things like that. But how can I look at it to really on a deep level like yeah it's like that because my conceptual mind kicks in and are you really sure because when you die you don't know if if this um, yeah buddha nature or, yeah um how can i how can i be sure <laughs> i mean because Whatever I do, there is my mind, and how is it without, uh, totally mm. without it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you told me a bit of a story now. Yeah. So, now you write the story on a little piece of paper. Yeah. And then you do like this, yeah. and you throw it out of the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay. So, what's then there? It's nothing. Yeah, and okay, <laughs> let's stay there. <laughs> okay. and then, no. But. Yeah, yeah, but, but, and then you write the but on a little <laughs> yeah. piece of paper and take it out and throw it out of the window. Yeah. And just because this, no, yeah, this has nothing, no, uh, uh, 
past and future lives and all, all that stuff. We can talk about that another time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, for here, for this, it, it, it's not necessary. It's <laughs> you, you don't need to figure it out. By the way, you un, you will never figure this out. Mm. This past and future life thing. And and uh, yeah, don't think about it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, yeah. let's stay with you know, let's stay uh, with one day after another. Mm. How? how no, how does this happen? Not like one day after another. Not not one life after another, but one day after another. Yeah. If you if you if you uh, uh, if you yeah, for this, uh, what is aware? No. Another question I could have asked you now, as a response to your question, which is connected now with what we're doing now, would be, what is the way of this question? And then you would say something, and then I would say, oh, what knows this? Yeah, I understand that, and I can... Mm -hmm. But um, can that die? That's what I want to know. And uh, yeah, um, how can I be sure that that cannot die? Because mm -hmm. as long as I'm alive, how can I? Know? <laughs> mm. That it cannot die. But uh, if you if you. Uh, Write this question on a piece of paper and throw it out. Can that die? That what remains, can that die? How can I know? I, my intuition says it cannot. It's well, beyond uh, everything. Yeah. Because it's nothing. And yeah. I guess nothing is really nothing. <laughs> but yeah. still. I have my mind, and how can I know that it's? Yeah, I don't know how to explain? I know what you mean. Uh, no, in a genuine recognition of unconditioned awareness, there is sense. There is there is a sense that w what you're experiencing is not created, it's uncreated. It was never born. It's like because you can't change it. It's, you know, it's not being, you can't stop it, you can't change it. It's, and it's not something which you create, it's something which you dissolve into. And there's a, there's a recognition of that that is timeless. And it was never be born. It was never created. And if it was not created, then it will not stop. Mm. So your conceptual mind tries to find 
an answer which it will never get. And the, your conceptual mind wa wa wants to have a certainty which it will never get, except on a dogmatic fundamentalistic level. Like if you become a hardcore fundamentalist Buddhist, mm -hmm. then you would kind of escape in this kind of uh, yeah, karma and past lives and future lives. Yeah? But if you stay like intelligent enough, then your conceptual mind will not find the answer, will not find the certainty. Mm -hmm. So you better give up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, of course you could spend four, five more years with this. Yeah. Yeah.